If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! You hear the sound of those sirens. Do not adjust your sets. Welcome to another edition of the Outsider's Edge podcast right here on the Chairshot Radio Network. I am your boy, Dr. S'mores, Mr. Kyle Morris. I am joined by the Kenny to my Kota, Mr. Ray Cash Rance Morris. How you doing, sir? I am living the life of Cash, maybe? No? I'm good. How are you? I'm going to have to help you workshop a better catchphrase. Like, I'm going to add that to my list of things to do. Um, just so just going to call me out like that at the right at the beginning? That's how we're doing? I mean, you know, I call it like I see it. You signed up to be read. Fair, fair. How about this one? How about this? Start over, start over again. Ask me again. Start over. <laughs> how you doing, sir? Hey, man, I'm just striking first and striking hard. No? I got on a Cobra Kai shirt for those who don't have video. You could have just used the, the Randy Moss. When you're rich, you don't write checks. Straight cash, homie. Introduce the guest, bro. I've, I've, I have failed you. I have failed you in this podcast. I mean, you know, it won't be the last time. We do have a great guest tonight. The commissioner himself, Mr. PC Tim. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Thrilled to be here. And uh, it's it's the road to WrestleMania. I'm, like, fucking thrilled. 
You popular as hell this week, bro. You have been on every show this week. Every one. <sighs> yeah, I'm a slut. Well, I mean, you know, it's all you right. It. You just owed got- Rance and I a favor, and we called it in. Hey, listen, two down. Tonight's going to be awesome, and two more to go. So uh, we got to put out as much content as we can, gentlemen. This is this is our this is our funnest time of the year, and and we gotta we gotta soak up the au jus, as they say in the uh, Philly cheesesteak world. Hey, well, Kyle. the au jus of wrestling. Hey, yeah. real fast. How hilarious would it be if we talked this whole episode and didn't talk Royal Rumble the WWE? Would that not be hilarious? I mean, you know, <laughs> the Royal Rumble it happened. Yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> some of it. I'm sure. But, like, the Oju of wrestling is the storytelling, and that's what we wanted to talk about this week anyway. But before we talk about any of the good shit, let's start to show proper and offer our respects to the late, great Lanny Poffo. The genius. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's sad. It's sad whenever we lose a... Uh... One of our own, a legend in his own right. I mean, Lenny Poffo wasn't a world champion by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a man that most every wrestling fan knows. And he's a part of a very famous wrestling family, the Poffos, a.k.a. Randy Savage. Um, Yeah, man, he gave a lot to the business. He was in his 80s, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sad loss. Um, Condolences to his family. Condolences to his fans. Um, and hey, that DVD box set coming soon, bro, because my man got a little catalog people might want to check out. PC? Yeah, I mean, their dad, Angelo, you know, running his own, um, circuit. And I think it's funny because, and, and it's a law, another loss in the wrestling industry, another loss, you know, to. But a rare one, but a rare one to old age. Like mm-hmm. I have it's, always it's like, but you don't think about him like you know grinding it out on the road and having all these brutal matches. Another reason it's a rare loss. It like I am never happy to see a death because death is not something that we celebrate. But at the same time, I'm always it's refreshing that we're talking about a legend who didn't cling too long, and we're talking about a legend who lived long enough to die of old age. It's crazy because everybody remembers his brother's voice, but Lanny also had one of the most recognizable voices in wrestling history, right? Like, if you were playing a game where they just played the person's voice, you'd recognize Lanny Poffo. No one sounded like Lanny Poffo. And, you know, RIP to him and uh, thoughts and prayers to the friends and family. And also that genius gimmick. How many people have have redone it? Oh yeah. Over the years, Sandow and uh Shane Douglas for a minute and when CM I, Punk was doing the like uh straight edge society, the whole like he's smarter than you. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. been a lot. And he was well, the first guy I remember doing that. So what about Brain Strowman? The better oh. better twin? No. The better I've twin. stayed I, I've stayed too long. All right, everybody, good night. Have a good one. <laughs> but um No, but um we do want to talk storytelling this week. Uh, in a little while, we're going to talk about some of our favorite stories all time. But before we get into favorite stories all time, what is your favorite non-bloodline story happening in wrestling right now? Rance first, then PC. In all of wrestling? 
Yeah, pick a company. Your favorite non-bloodline story, not match, story happening right now. And all of wrestling, dog, that, man. Okay, there's some fun stuff going. Um, Oh, boy, I wasn't prepared for that question. Um, So you mentioned earlier, this isn't my answer, but I want to shout out the fun story between the guns. Billy, uh, Daddy Ass and the Acclaim. Scissor That's me, a Daddy fun Ass story. goes to therapy. Is this, is... is this where I chant Daddy Ass? Is this, is Please, this... well, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm... Daddy Ass. Um, That's a joke that just keeps on giving. It's a raw 30 joke. It really anyway. is. I, I, I would, I don't, I'm not a fan of it because I just, I don't like the same story used for MJF, but MJF and Danielson, Danielson's just doing, getting more over and more over and more over and more over. Um, I'm gonna tell you what I'm 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 keeping up with and paying attention to. What's about to happen with Logan Paul and Seth Rollins is going to entertain the shit out of me because Logan Paul has shown himself to be a dude that's that's naturally gonna garner attention, but he's gonna go out of his way to continue to garner attention. And in terms of a storyline, who wants the attention more than Seth freaking Rollins right now? So that could be a fun one too. And I don't know, man. Shout, shout out to NXT, Andre Chase and Chase, you killing it right now. They are um, really fun. Yeah, um, we got a great two out three falls match coming with uh, Carmelo Hayes and Apollo coming up. Um, yeah, man, there's some stuff going on, but you caught me off guard, man. PC, what do you think? Rhea Ripley. Mm. Mm. I was gonna say Dominic Mysterio. And oh yeah, prison too, right? That's a big part of it too. Um, for me, I I gave Rhea so much crap when she got brought up to the main roster, and and it was if I'm looking back now and thinking about it, it might have been more the way she was handled as opposed to the way she handled it. But man, is she just not? There hasn't been anybody this hot in the women's division in the way she is a heater, like she's China. Well, she's the first woman to be used as an enforcer since China. And she's, she's killing it. I mean, and and she's the first woman to be used as an enforcer since China. She's Eddie Guerrero and Dominic Guerrero Mysterio. Um, Like, and the one about her is definitely. Did did you see the post? Did you see the post rumble interview with her? Um, I don't you haven't seen the, if, if you haven't watched the Pulse Rumble press conference, go ahead and watch it because it's not like an AEW thing. Like you're actually getting some good stuff there. And she came out of, she came, she wasn't Rhea Ripley. She wasn't Judgment Day. She was talking about herself, right? And there's a lot of good things there. Cody was on as well. Um, Hunter, Bray. Bray. Hunter, Bray. Um, so yeah, the brace stuff was pretty good, but go back and watch that. If you, if you didn't, it's just interesting. Um, you get to, you get kind of get a couple takes on their own characters. Well, she has been very captivating. I was going to say Dominic Mysterio because like he has not only improved in the ring, but he has become so interesting. He's become so interesting and he's yet another example that like, it's a lot easier for young wrestlers to find their feet as a heel and learn character work and learn how to uh, like really tell a story 
because when he was just his dad's kid, like that's literally all he was. He was his dad's kid. He was a little flashy. It worked when they were a tag team because Ray could carry the story part. But now he's like actually interesting and actually engaging. Um, I also agree with you, Ray, about like the gun family has been a really fun story for me. Um, I really have loved the way that the gun children are calling out some of their, I'm sure, very real grievances of like, you were on the road five nights a week. I didn't have a dad growing up. Who the fuck are you to try to step to me now? Um, and also, you know, the scissor me thing is just over because the acclaimed are fun. So like that has been a really great story. That has been really intriguing for me. But Dominic Mysterio is probably my favorite non-bloodline thing happening right now. You know how we, we I don't think I don't think regular fans, everyday fans really think about how hard it is to be liked. That sounds crazy. Right? Cuz in regular in real life you think, "Oh, it's easy for people to like me." No, it's really hard to be liked. And Dominic had a million things coming, you know, going against him. He had never wrestled before. His first matches were in the Thunderdome, and he was a legacy hire. Everybody knew he wasn't prepared. Yeah, he didn't do the NXT circuit like everybody else did. And he was a little rusty and started off, first match was in SummerSlam against Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy and all this stuff. And, you know, good kid, a likable kid. But he needed, you're right, he needed some more dirt on him. And, of course, I hate my man had to go to jail to get, to you know, to become the hardest dude on the block. But Did you see the way Pat McAfee handled that at the Rumble where he, he's like, what's been going on since I've been, you're like, totally, don't, you know, like, he, he was the, he, he was totally the announcer for the fan that doesn't watch every single week, right? Where Cody, Gra- Corey, not Cody, Corey Graves was the one that maintained that, you know, more wrestling professionalism. But you talk about Dominic Mysterio and his evolution. I think it was easier for him to become a heel by being bad at being a face. And it's always easier to be a heel because you can screw up and it play it matter. off. Right. You screw up when you're a face and people laugh at you. You're kind of fucked. And to go full circle about the rear point, man, he's, he's flying now on his own. But if he didn't have Rhea to hold his hand for the first three months of this, I mean, he would have got there, but she got him there so much faster, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I mean, and, hey, and shout out to Priest, shout out to, to Finn. I, you know, a lot of people uh, complained about the Judgment Day initially because people expect uh, stables with people of that level to be dominant. That's not always what the purpose is. And You've seen their purpose as Raw has continued on and on over the months. And, I mean, if 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 the whole point of the Judgment Day was to get Rhea back to the main event and make Dominic a viable star, then they've succeeded. Well, um, it, it helped. Damn it, I lost my train of thought. Um, anyway, yeah, props sorry. to all of the other people who have been so willing to bump for Rhea and make Rhea look good. Like I'm so glad that the men in the locker room now are not on the same toxic bullshit that a lot of the men were on in the attitude era when China was having to work with the men and they didn't want to sell for her and they didn't want to take bumps for her and they didn't want to do a lot of that shit. 
So like, you know, I don't give a shot. I don't give a lot of props to uh, Luke Gallows for a lot of things, but like props to him for letting Rhea make like embarrass him several times. Sold the hell out of those power slams. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Um, no, I wanted to ask favorite non-Bloodline storyline because, I mean, obviously we all know that the Bloodline is, like, one of the most interesting things to ever happen in wrestling. And the end of the Royal Rumble was, like, a masterclass in, like, acting and Easter eggs and callbacks and character development. And Jay Uso really is the main character. And I'm so mad that Sammy wasn't in the Rumble. And, like, there are so many thoughts because that storyline is so good. Shakespeare. Man, look. It's, well, it's Hunter, Hunter Scorsese. Um, so, go ahead. Tell your point. Oh, I, I was just going to say, those of you who have listened to us, we, me, and, me and Kyle have this fight regularly in the chats, in the text messages. But if so those of you who listen to us know that Kyle is of the belief that Sammy should have won the Rumble and the story should be Sammy beating Roman. I have been of the belief, as, as what you're seeing on TV happening, that Sammy versus Roman was never anything that should have happened. They're going to get their match in Montreal because that's good money. We, 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 right. But the story was always between Sammy and Kevin and Sammy and Jay. Uh, nonetheless, whatever we get, Sammy Zane right now is bad in a thousand. Sammy is on fire, but no, no, we're both wrong because the story is really between Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. That's facts. Yes, yes. That's the unfortunately, real story. Unfortunately, that story is going to be a little longer, longer than in two months. So, and you know who the real villain of the story is? It's Jimmy. Why the fuck Jimmy got to come back? If Jimmy ain't come back, Jay never would have quit. He would have vanquished the tribal chief all the way back then. Hey, man, that's a good point. That's a good point that it's not talked about enough. It's all Jimmy's fault. That's a good point. And then when Jimmy did come back, talking all that shit to Roman, talking about you not about to talk to me any type of way. I ain't no bitch. I'm not no, my he said brother. You're not, yeah, he was, yeah, you're not about to talk to me like, like, like my brother. And Jay looked at him like, if you don't get your bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so good, bro. Oh. It's so good. Okay, I got one more mm-hmm. storytelling-related question for both of y'all before we get into our list. What wrestling story made you a fan forever? Not what match was your first match or anything. What story was the story that was like, this is my shit? You want me to go first, Ray? Go ahead. I went first last time. Yeah. Uh, Warrior Hogan. Makes sense. I was watching it. I was I was already hooked on it and watching it. But like the Ultimate Warrior was, you know, as a kid, the the bright colors, the 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 run down of the ring, shake the ropes, the the ADD match. You didn't have to pay attention for long, and the finish was cool, you know. And, and Hogan was the big thing, and I enjoyed a lot of different things, but that was the one. It probably helped that my dad played baseball with um, a guy named Frankie DeFalco, who did wrestle in AWA and WWF, and. Imagine being a, what was it that happened in 90? So 89. So imagine eight year old Tony at the baseball field. This professional wrestler is telling me that my favorite guy, ultimate warrior is good. This is August of 89. He's telling me that in, in March of 90 ultimate warrior is going to beat Hulk Hogan. 
eight years old and the business has been wide and open to my eyes since 89 since august of 89 right so to me that has always been my defining moment as a child getting completely hooked and wanting to know as much as possible about the business warrior, of professional wrestling. warrior hogan was uh five months before i was born so uh, i missed all that <laughs> Let me just put it to you this way. It was the first pay-per-view that I bugged my father so much that he broke the fuck down, invited his buddy over so they could fucking split it, his cheap ass, and we watched. And it started at 2 in the afternoon. Wow. That was in Toronto, right? right? Skydome? Yeah, it was light outside. I vividly remember it was light outside watching fucking WrestleMania. Hmm. All right, then. That's what you got. Um, well, I bet it's been no secret the NWO was what got me into wrestling, but it's a mix of Rodman and Tyson because I was always I was already into it, but Rodman and Tyson is what got my grandparents into it. I feel like we're gonna talk about one of those guys on our list and definitely yes. not the other one. <laughs> well, look, hey, do not discount this Rodman's oh, contributions oh, to professional wrestling. Shit. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> um, but um, my grandmother was a major 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 basketball fan and my grandfather was a major boxing fan and both of them were wrestling fans because you know here in houston paul bosch wrestling houston wrestling so they grew up watching that or came up watching that when my grandpa saw tyson he was hooked and when my grandma saw rodman she was hooked and that meant that hey i can get two pay-per-views a month now <laughs> so uh, yeah it, it's either it's gonna be a mix of tyson and rodman for sure um so for me um my sister got me into wrestling uh so i was like seven or eight years old so this would have been uh 97 ish 98 ish so like beginning of the attitude era type shit um the storyline the actual storyline storyline that first got me like this is this is my shit is uh rock versus triple h in the leather strap match that was the th- I was like, this is really fucking cool. Uh, the one before that that I was like, OK, I think I really like this. Y'all are not going to see coming was Kane and X-Pac. No, I, but I know, I that, I know how much you Xbox. love Kane. <laughs> I, I was going to say I love Kane and X-Pac. Damn, um, was actually I hate good. Kane now, but I loved Kane and X-Pac as a story. That was a pretty good story, actually. They had pretty good matches, I thought. They had good and balance. X-Pac is so underrated. In his time, he's one of the best workers. Like he genuinely is one of the best workers Mm -hmm. to do it. Well, you think about who he is surrounded by throughout a large majority of the big time parts of his career, just completely overshadowed. Yeah, that's the only. That's his only failure is that his best friends are four of the biggest stars ever. Yeah, fair, but. Um, but no, it was Rock versus Triple H, and I think some of it was like the hi- there was already history in the story, but some of it was also like eight year old me is just like leather straps, and they're beating the hell out of each other with leather strap. That is so cool. So I imagine you feel like a lot of people did watching Dusty and Magnum TA or Dusty and Flair and the dog collar matches back in the day. Yeah. Saying, man, what is this? Yeah. 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 It was just like, it was so neat. And I was just like, wow, this is so different from anything else that's going on. And yeah. 
So I that was that was like okay yeah this is really cool I, I I'm kind of hooked now. That is cool, man. I it's cool to have a throwback like this because so this list that we were working on that each of us were working on really made me have to think back kind of in history. I'm glad we limited to the WrestleMania era because I mean no disrespect Zabisco and Bruno was a great story, but like we didn't watch that shit. No, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to reminisce because we all tend to have recency bias and I, I have no doubt 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, people will still say the bloodline is one of the best stories ever, but it's easy to say right now, of course, it's the greatest thing ever. But when you put it in historical context and you're like, well, yeah, it might be better than that. Yeah, it's better than that. Well, yeah, it's better than that. And it really puts the context like right there in your face. Yeah. I I have it up there when we get to it, but I think like the most reinforcing thing that I heard this week was listening to Dreamer and Bubba and Bischoff and other people that Michael Cole himself were major, major players in the attitude era, the the era of great storylines, right? Um are saying Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, it was great. And it was that level, but once Jay walked out, it's one of the greatest of all time now. So you don't think it would, you, you, okay. That's a good question. If Jay didn't walk out, if Jay joined in on the beatdown, would it still hit as hard as it did? No. That's that Shakespeare level shit right there. So, so Jay Uso, you heard it first. PC Tunney. Jay Uso is Mercutio. Listen. Listen to listen to um A Midsummer Uso's dream. No, no. <laughs> I, I am so serious. I'm so serious. Um, what did I listen to today? Listen to listen to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, and he talks to uh Tom DeShane's, I think is is his name on the strictly business uh under 83 weeks and this guy tom is amazing and the way he puts it in light in comparison go ahead and give that a listen folks you'll have a different perspective on what hunters has a leg up right now on everybody else if if this is the way he's going to book moving forward well it's what i want to give it credit for and we will talk about it more when we get there is just for so long, we were used to Vince insulting you for watching because watching regularly, he had so many narrative contradictions that it really was insulting you as a viewer. This storytelling has been so consistent and like you can follow a linear progression and there isn't these weird anachronisms that are insulting you. So instead you're being actually rewarded for paying attention and having followed along and like knowing the whole arc. Cause like with Sami Zayn, people from the outside that are watching casually know that it's hot shit and they know that Sammy's really over and they can understand that that's cool. But so many people are like, wait, why did Sammy join the bloodline in the first place? And what happened? It's like, Oh yeah, no. So like, see Sammy went on this conspiracy theory shit for a long time and alienated everybody and so then he just needed some friends because all of his other friends had like left his ass 
And so he started taking L's for Roman. And so Roman was like, oh, I like having this guy around. And so, like, it rewarded you for being there for the whole journey. As opposed to, like, so many years in the past, Vince would just change ship midway through. And then it's like, wait a minute. You just said the opposite thing literally last week. What the fuck is wrong with you? So you saying that. If we're if we're gonna be literal here, this goes back to WrestleMania 36, the the the, the pandemic WrestleMania, because right before that WrestleMania, Jimmy Uso tore his ACL, and that's the WrestleMania that Sammy finally started wrestling again when he was the Artist Collective and won the IC title with help from uh, Cesaro and Nakamura. Right, and that's also the show. And Roman peaced out on y'all when he supposed to fight Goldberg because y'all not out here wearing your masks and I ain't getting sick. That's the real start of this story because Jay had to go on and languish for a few months because Jimmy wasn't there. You remember him hosting the sing-along, mm-hmm. right? Remember that segment? Sammy went on to alienate everybody around him as IC champion. And when Roman finally decided to come back, he came back with Paul Heyman and decided it's time for me to step up as tribal chief. And then everything rolled downhill from there. And that was, we're going into WrestleMania 39. This is three years, dog. And to your point, you know, I thought about it, but I didn't think about it and put it as eloquently as you put it. The narrative contradictions of the past booking regime. And I enjoyed the past booking regime. But anybody who is telling the truth can tell you that there are too, there were always too many inconsistencies. This would be canon today. This wouldn't be canon tomorrow. This wouldn't matter today. This wouldn't matter tomorrow. Every character tick of the three men I mentioned, Roman Reigns, Jim, uh, Jay Uso, and Sami Zayn, even Kevin Owens, all of those character ticks have literally layered on top of each other and are still referenced to this day and it's it's you want to talk about sammy needing to get friends he needed friends because of the conspiracy but what what happened well why why was the conspiracy a big deal because at wrestlemania 37 he brought logan paul and kevin didn't believe him and kevin beat him and stunned logan paul it's like it's and that was when he was really on his own which led to him being called out by Knoxville and and sticking up for himself and fighting Knoxville and losing to Knoxville, it's 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 just it was a conspiracy. It was, it was and he's been proven right. Yeah, he's been proven right. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, but okay, we're gonna talk about it more later. So we keep referencing this list. So we challenged each other to come up with our own top ten storylines of the WrestleMania era. And so everybody came up with their own idea of the 10 best. Um, We have not discussed a format. So I have decided that uh, we're just going to roundtable this. Uh, I'll have Rance go first for number 10. And then if you have the same person on your list at a different number, you can announce before Rance says anything. Um, Wagoner style. I like it. Yeah. And do we'll the one. We'll, we'll, we'll do the we the ones if if we got it higher. 
Yeah. Yeah. Throw your ones up. Um, Uh, So, Rance, what was your number 10 best storyline of the WrestleMania era? So, before I say number 10, I want to shout out three that I I want on my list, but I couldn't make on my list. And if y'all have them, I apologize. But I want to give a shout out to Kofi Mania. It didn't make my list because it wasn't long enough. (sighs) I want to shout out uh, Dreamer and Raven. And I want to shout out Brett Owen. And the only reason Brett Owen isn't on my list is because I didn't see it. So I can't speak to it. My number 10 is John Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa in NXT. And I'm going to add in the whodunit of Aleister Black getting jumped and Nikki's got a secret. Because that played a part in the Ciampa Gargano story. Um, it's You want to talk about this... This is the this is the example. I mean, well, really, Bailey, Bailey Sasha's the first, but this is the, the the real example I think people can point to that Hunter was out here doing his best Shakespeare impression. He's writing the he's writing he's doing his best Homer impression, writing the Iliad with wrestling, right? Because from the moment these two were signed and forced to be a tag team, and then the Cruiserweight Classic. When everybody knows Ciampa crazy and Gargano beats him and Ciampa's about to destroy him but sits down and hugs him. All the way to the tag team championship. All the way to becoming DIY. All the way to Ciampa destroying his knee trying to protect Gargano and taking Gargano out before Gargano can take him. It's it's beautiful. To the, the One of the five greatest entrances ever in wrestling history. Gargano and, and I'm not Gargano. Ciampa coming out in New Orleans to nothing but booze and fuck you Ciampas. One of the greatest entrances ever. It, it's just such a beautiful story. And then Ch- Gargano going cricket for a minute, jumping Alistair Black. That story, uh, Gar- Ciampa winning the title and calling it Goldie. It's just such a beautiful story. And I can't speak for that last shit they had at the TakeOver WrestleMania show. But those first three matches, classics. Man, Brian is still mad at Ciampa for uh, spitting on that man's wedding ring. Hey, man. Hey, I that that my loins became engorged when I saw that. That was such a fantastic. That sounds slap. like a sounds like an episode title. Uh, engorged <laughs> of, of DWI. You want to consult your doctor? <laughs> no, that's a pot as well. Fun. Uh, Tony, what was your number ten? Kofi Mania. I think the unexpected. See the belief, uh, if you want or not, that it, it was or wasn't supposed to happen. Um, I never thought Kofi would ever become a world champion, let alone the WWE champion. Um, I, I thought it was such an amazing moment. And I I want to ask you, Ray, because, I mean... It was also my number 10, so... Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I was Don't... saying it was also my number 10. Gotcha. So, like, it's on um, is... is... As as far as a black man, is it more significant for Kofi becoming a world champion than Mark Henry and Booker T and Rock before him because it's the WWE title, because Henry won the world title, because Booker T won the same championship he had already won, because Rock also has lineage and and Samoan heritage? Is, they raised is Rock's blackness. Is not, that a, not? I know not I, has lineage like 
the the company acknowledges no, that I meant, Johnson was I meant lineage as far as like being um a legacy, not as far as being black. He's obviously half black and half small. Oh no, right? yeah, no, I know. Saying, yeah. No, I'm saying I didn't mean company, it that way. I wasn't dismissing No, no, that's not what I no, that's okay. not what I, I was talking I was saying the company during the attitude era erased oh, a lot right. of his blackness. He was like he was, was non-binary. He wasn't Samoan even Samoan. This, Samoan that, Samoan, Samoan, Samoan. They very rarely acknowledged his blackness. Well, and he even makes jokes about it now. He, he, you know, what, what race are you? What are, what are you, you know, asking that question? And he's like, I'm whatever people want me to be. You know what I mean? Like, every, you know, it, it in a weird way. But my question to you, Ray, is you, you, you can answer this better than Kyle and I. Is, is that more, is that a more, and is that, is that a bad question to ask? It's you just know, kind of, okay. It's a, it's a fair question because a lot of I, us celebrated just, the, Real quick, just to just to where this is coming from is like I know Mike Knox, and I've seen the video of him with MVP at the bar watching this mania and literally watching P cry and those guys, you know. And I know those guys, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. So that's that's kind of where it comes from for me. Just wondering. So the, so you know here, social it's, significance. It's a fair question, and it's, it's it's a fair question because, like you said, a lot of people celebrated the coffee win. Almost as if it was the first time a black man had ever won a world title. Here's the reason the significance. Because the WWE has been, almost since the beginning of time, the biggest company in the world. And the WWE Championship is essentially the crest of the McMahons. And that title has always been the most prestigious championship in the world. Because that's the championship that's been held by the biggest stars in the, com- in the world, by the biggest company for the past 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, right? And with respect to Rock, Rock, once he left the nation, he really, really played heavily on his ambiguity, which is fine. Whatever happened, happened. But Rock even did that in his, 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 his acting career. Look at all of his movies. His wives are white, his daughters are white, his sons are white, and every movie, except for, except for when he got to Hobbs and Shaw once he did the Fast and Furious, he started taking his career. Danny, his ex-wife, became his agent, and he started taking his own career in his own hands. But before that, everything around him was white, right? So that's fine. I, I don't. So I don't mean any diss to The Rock, but the other world champions, Mark Henry, Booker, even Ron Simmons, who's the real first—well, Bobo Brazil is—but the first like modern world black champion, that wasn't the WWE championship. So Kofi winning the WWE champ. Nobody ever thought it would happen. Nobody ever thought a black dude would ever win the world championship. And I hate to say this because this is such a blasphemous thing to say, but The Rock is so popular, he almost transcends a race. And I know that sounds crazy and it's really impossible and stupid, but that's what a lot of people feel. It's it's not because, unfortunately, the narrative in our country for so long is, you know, is the unfair treatment to everybody. And a large majority of the time it's white people doing that. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's not out of the question to kind of look at things that way. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. No, it's fair. It's a very fair question. Um, and, and also I think just to put a bow on it, everything I said on top of it, Kofi was a good soldier. Kofi was a good soldier who never complained. 
who did his job. Whatever was given to him, he did it. If it was bad, he did it with a smile. If it was good, he did it with a smile. If it was in the main event, he did it with a smile. If he was opening the show, he did it with a smile. Everything. That's what you saw in the promos. You want to you do this this uh, tag team that y'all got? Cool. You're going to be gospel preachers. Not going to work, boss. Make it work. They made it work. Made Everything it work. Kofi was ever made to do worked. Made it work. And, yeah. you know, that, Kofi was the perfect true. example. Kofi was the perfect example of some people deserve a, ch- a chance. And Kofi deserved a chance, earned a chance, and showed that. And even Vince will probably tell you he made he he showed he was right. Yeah, he didn't. He did not embarrass that title at all. He did no. not embarrass himself at all. He carried it with pride. Mm-hmm. It was um, a beautiful Kofi thing Mania to see was him. Also, my number ten. It was a beautiful thing to see him take that title back to Ghana. Like that brought tears to my eyes to see him take that title back home where he was born, and to see those kids out there. Who probably never thought they'd ever see some. So many people think that's, that stuff like that is unattainable, until you see someone you know, and to know that that dude walked those same streets as those kids, and now he's carrying the most prestigious sports entertainment championship. Just, just a beautiful thing. So. Um. All right. Well, since I had the same number ten, Tony, hit me with your number nine. Uh, my number nine is the back-to-back WrestleMania matches between the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker. Okay. Oh, Rand's I throwing heard. the ones up. I had a hard time putting these in order, so, like, I hope... Oh, it's fine. Are, it's I, fine. I, hope, I hope people listening are extremely offended. I, well, it's you. That's my aim every time we make this show. Uh, okay, well, we'll get back to the back-to-backs later, then. Rance, what's your number nine? Got to give some love to Tony's favorite company, All Elite Wrestling, the Real Beer Guys. The story of Hangman Page and the Elite is my number nine. Um, a lot of people don't want to give it the credit it deserves because it's AEW. So new, it's not the number one team, not the number one guys. But the story of the the of the what what does he call himself, Kyle? The uh, anxious millennial, oh, anxious or whatever? millennial cowboy. The anxious millennial cowboy, and you know, being a dude who didn't, he was he was the second Adam in the stable, and then yeah. had to find a gimmick that worked for him, hooked and became made himself viable thanks to the Bullet Club is fine, right? No, don't don't say anything else because we're gonna get to the Bullet Club is fine in a second. Ooh, you I and I have cooking with grease. Love it. I see you cooking with grease. But no, it just what they've done. Hangman was supposed to be the, the biggest star, the, the 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 new the guy that was supposed to be next up when AW started, and the story from losing to Jericho and trusting the Bucks and then not being able to trust the Bucks and trusting Kenny and then not being able to trust Kenny and being on his own and the Dark Order finding him and getting him back his confidence and then finally beating Kenny and the Bucks giving him the okay to put him down. It's a beautiful story and it was if you add BTE also two years yeah. every week. So Dude. you've got to get oh, and it put Dark good Order on the map. It put yes, Dark Order on the map made them so relevant yes. in a way like especially after Brody's untimely death like oh yeah. Um, no, Simpatico in so many ways my number nine storyline is the Bullet Club is fine. Mm. They're fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Bullet Club is fine. Um, I loved 
uh, Kenny versus Adam Cole and what side are the Bucks going to come down on? And then Adam Cole dies and Adam Cole's ghost. And so then Cody comes in and there's this whole, are we going to accept him? Are we not going to accept him? But he seems kind of cool, but he's also from that company we hate. And him slowly ingratiating himself with the Bullet Club. And that also gave us great moments like Fuck the Revival. Um, and the Cody listening ear, the infamous Cody listening ear. And and what was the fight backstage when Tama was just sitting there chilling and shit was being thrown in oh, front of yeah. him? Oh, yeah. Zero fucks given Tama Tonga. Um, so, yeah, then Cody comes in and the Bucks slowly start getting closer to Cody because they're all based in the U.S. Meanwhile, Kenny is over in Japan doing his Japan things and he's starting to spend less time with the elite. And so it's like Cody versus Kenny, who's loyal to who? Oh, but by the way, the American Bullet Club has beef with the Japanese Bullet Club and whose side are the Tongans on? And what are we talking about? Chase and uh, Yujiro. And like Bullet Club is fine with such a great storyline. There is no AEW without the success of Bullet Club is fine. And that that's the that's the very first time Adam Page stepped up and like became viable because he became Cody's number two. Great point. Great pick. Yeah, I, I loved that storyline. That was such a fun Just story. To- just to add a little bit here to a lot of stuff I don't necessarily watch AEW and New Japan, but I would love to see Adam Page in WWE. I've said that for a long time. Let me ask you guys this. New Japan, has it fallen off as much for you as it has for Andrew Belaz? Because he barely oh, yeah. anymore. Oh, yeah. We've times, talked yes. about it several times. Like we talked about when we talked about Wrestle Kingdom was coming out. And we went over what the matches on the card were. We were just like, there is no sizzle in this steak at all. Think about the fact that the biggest draw on the card was was Sasha. Oh, and the second biggest draw on the card was Kenny Omega coming back to save the company and face off against Will Ospreay. Yeah, like, come on, bro. No no sizzle on that stake at all right now. Yeah. Okada's the 25,000-time champion. Muda was on the card. Eh, cool. Speaking of people I'd love to see somewhere else, like, I know Okada will never leave because why would you leave your golden goose? But like, dog, come to Titan Town, go to go to AEW, go somewhere else. He's I'd like so to good. See him, yeah, I'd like to see him take a. I know you don't take excursion over there when you're established, but yeah, go somewhere else for like six months. That would like, be good for you. So fucking talented. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Ray, hit me with the number eight. Oh, boy. I do not like this man. This man gave us so much fodder for the show and gives us our outro. But Philip Jack Brooks is my number eight, the Summer of Punk. Which one, the Ring of Honor version or the WWE version? Well, if we're honest, the Ring of Honor version may have been better quality, but the WWE version was bigger. I'm, a, I'm the you WWE back. version. Both facts. Um, I, had a, I had a good long argument with the guys over at the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Shout out to DJ Rob and uh, Jason. About if the pipe bomb was uh, overrated or not. I think it's the most overrated story in history. I mean, it's not story, but promo in history. Because that promo didn't do anything for the business of either man, the match, or the story. However, the story that Punk was leaving, legitimately, 
and will take the title and leave with it. That was the thing that like brought brought interest. That match where I the... will disagree with you. Yes, sir. Where I will disagree with you about the pipe bomb promo. The reason why it is so overrated in your eyes and like just in general is because Raw was so bland and predictable and paint by numbers at that time that this was the first promo in a really long time that felt like I remember watching because I was just like, oh, you're cooking with a different kind of grease that I'm used to tasting from this dish. And I miss this old grease. Where did they where did they find this in the back room? Yeah, your your Waffle House they didn't clean the they didn't clean it, the grill they left it dirty and let it, it cook been the a, good shit. It been a long time since you. Uh, well, I'll stick with your narrative here, and I like it. It tasted something like that, which was Stone Cold Steve Austin, and now it had a little bit different twist to it. It was a little less likable and a little more prickly, but you kind of could enjoy it in the same way if you like that sort of thing, right? It, it's kind of sticking up to the man. And this guy was that prick, apparently. And I agree completely. And look, it was... Just, Ask Seth Rollins. Just because, just, just because something's interesting doesn't mean it's good. It was massively interesting. I, Booker um, T backed up Seth Rollins, too, did on that, didn't he? Every, yeah, every, everybody. Yeah, don't play the because, game. People like, like Bill nobody wants we a know. cancer around. We so, know what's up. Like we, the people who ain't trying to kiss his ass or aren't legitimately his friends, know what's up. Um, but the only reason I bring the pipe bomb up is because that's the catalyst for the story. Um, and the story became such a dope story. And I, if you, you'll notice, the trim on my list is that I'm not going to put something that was just a couple of months. I'm including from the summer of punk to the entire 434 day championship reign because. That story started a 18, 20 month story with him finally losing to Rock and then Rock again and then Cena on Raw and then Taker at WrestleMania um, and when he went away. But starting off the way it did and catapulting Punk to levels never thought to be given to a guy like him for the reasons he got those. For him calling Vince's bluff and earning his respect and trust and then becoming the certifiable A1B to Cena's 1A, it's a great story. And take Punk out of it. The story of the dude who the fans like finally getting the championship opportunity and he gets the title and he leaves because he's better than the company. It's always interesting. Thanks. PC, what was your number eight? My number eight is... uh... John Cena versus The Rock. What was it? The matchup of a lifetime? Once in a, twice in a lifetime, once, really. Twice in a, well, yeah, once in a lifetime, twice if you're counting. But who's counting? Um, none of you are. It's not on your list. But the audacity of them to make us wait an entire year, tell us a year ahead of time, was fucking brilliant. I mean, The Rock coming back and some of the promos he cut on the road to WrestleMania between Royal Rumble and and WrestleMania, back and forth with John Cena, like, if we would never have gotten that, we would have wished we had gotten that for the mic work. 
obviously not for the ring work, although John Cena is ultra underrated as a worker in the ring. Um, we agree with that. So uh, that that to me, those two guys, I was captivated. I loved it. Looking back, it was done really well. Um, and, and the picture uh, on the stage of, of Rock holding up his hand and giving him his props, right? So to me, that, that's my number eight. Nice. My number eight is Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. The, Ooh, the saga that was. I do. Being kidnapped, then falling in love with Tess. Then she's going to get married to Test only after Test has the last man standing match with Shane. And then it's the wedding day and it's a WWF wedding. So it can only end in one way. And it ends with Triple H kidnapped Steph after she got shit faced at the bachelorette party and took her to the drive through chapel. And they did the shotgun wedding. And then... Uh, the Triple H versus Vince feud for Stephanie's honor, only for Stephanie in the end to kick Vince right in the fucking balls and launch the McMahon-Helmsley era. Like, that was peak melodrama shit, and I loved it. Great great pick. Great yeah, pick. Yeah, I'm glad that came up, actually. I vividly remember that. Like, the first thing that came to my mind there was the drive through wedding with Hunter with his hand over his mouth with Stephanie passed out, like, answering, you know, I do. And do you, Stephanie McMahon, take Hunter? I do. I do. I definitely do. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's classic. It's classic. And the hey, whole thing. The way you, am... you, 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 you put it all in perspective there, that was wonderful. I'm glad you brought that was that was a trip down memory lane. Thank you. I implore you I all. I still vividly remember the fucking limo going down and the undertaker <laughs> at the driver's seat. <laughs> Hello, Stephanie. I I implore you all, go back and watch that that uh match at Armageddon between Hunter and Vince. Like if I know it's a lot of blood, it's a lot of blood, but that is such a fun match. And if blood's not your thing, go back and watch Shane versus Test in the Last Man Standing match. Love for a lever, it was yeah. such a fun story. Yes. Well uh, done. Well done. Yeah, I just that was one of those like I thought of. I was just like that was just so much fun to relive. Uh, Riz, what's your number seven? Uh, oh yeah, dig it! Mega powers explode, sir. Classic, classic. Tony got the ones, so we. I guess we'll talk about that a little later. That's fine. That's fine. Tony, what's your number seven? My number seven is the reason that we are going to able to watch a WrestleMania. 39 this year and Hackage it's mid versus uh Lutez <laughs> the rock and wrestling connection <laughs> just, brought just up two Mc... things he was not expecting Jess McMahon versus the bearded lady the story of Spike Dudley no um <laughs> Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant 
leading up to yeah. WrestleMania three. Um, I was like, it's some of my, one of my first wrestling memories of actually watching television was, I, I believe it was on superstars when Andre pulled Hogan's shirt off. I think it was a Piper's pit and, and ripped the necklace off with it. And also I'm watching this as a kid and I'm like, his chest is bleeding. I'm like, Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and because later I would learn in life is because Andre never cut his fingernails because he was a sadistic bastard. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, when you're that big, what are people going to do about it? I literally the same guy I'm talking about. He was in some tag team matches against Andre and one kid was mouthing off one time beforehand going up to Andre going like, yeah, I want to get this in and that in and we'll do this and that. So in the match, you know, uh, Andre had. <laughs> Andre had one pinky that it was sharp. <laughs> he cut this boy up pretty bad, unfortunately. So, but this match up of it captivated a nation and it, it sold out the freaking Superdome. I mean, Silverdome <laughs> flip that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, Andre, the giant passing the torch to Hulk Hogan. If this doesn't happen, you might not have the, professional wrestling that you have today and can i say i think you buried the the best part best part of the story the slam no well no that's the inconsequential part i get why it's important but no the fact that the most loved wrestling figure of the past 20 years turned was heel. bought turned heel and was bought right literally bought and and um a lot of people try to figure out who's hogan's biggest rival over the years is it piper is it um, Hogan? Is it Savage? Is Bobby Heenan? I was gonna say it's Heenan. Yes. Well, and I mean, you talk about who, the, who's the greatest manager of all time. It's either you know, Heenan or Hart. Oh, Heyman, baby. No, Heenan or Heyman. Heenan or Heyman. Yeah, I, 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 at this point, as the people that Paul Paulie has put himself behind. I, that's another question. I mean, for me, for me, Heenan, Heyman, Hart are like, like those are the three names that instantly come to mind when you say a manager. Sure. Um, okay, my number seven. Speaking of managers, my number seven did involve a manager, and in honest, in a lot of ways, the manager was the main like antagonist of the entire feud. Uh, my number seven is Kane versus the Undertaker. Number one, the first time. Oh, and we'll talk about it more later because Rance has it higher on his list. Oh, yes. Well done. My Undertaker. <laughs> um, all right, well then, Tony, hit me with your number six pick. Oh, well, Fingers. no, we can't talk Yeslemania because I got that one higher. That's why I, uh, yeah, I figured. I, 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 I fingered. <laughs> that was kind of racy. Well, no, I mean, if we, we love racy we on the finger. edge. If we can scissor, we oh, can finger, right? How about yeah. you want to throw up the camel toes? Camel toe. As long in. as nobody's hitting anybody with the claw. Um, Rance, what was your number six then? Austin versus McMahon. Oh, higher. I can't wait to explain why I have it so low. I'll explain that. That's when we fine. Get there. Yeah. My number six was Rock Austin two. The one where Austin turns heel in the end. The second one is yours. That's my number six, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, do you want to put them all together? If we, if, if you got I mean, Rock yeah, Austin we can higher? put them together as a trilogy. 
Yeah, I got, I got it, I got it at five. I got the, I got the my way with the last one, just because it's the culmination of everything. We could talk about you it talk now. About, you talk about my way. Listen, you talk about the my way with uh, Limbiscuit. That's yeah. two. That's the one that Kyle's talking about. Yeah, oh, the one I'm talking about is yeah. No, the one with my way is, is number right. two. Number right. three is right. WrestleMania 19. You're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. That was Hollywood Rock. Yes. Yes. I still. That was still. Um, Part yeah, this, of me. But you're right. For every reason that you just said, like this was the culmination of the original Rock Austin feud. Yeah. Three was really just we're the two biggest legends of our era and two of the biggest legends ever to do this, and we're both getting ready to be done. And I beat you once, and you beat me once, and we gotta rubber this one. It was the match that had to happen, though. Right. And enough for us, we got it when we did seeing as how history played itself out to me. That's why it's so important. Like if you never get that third part of this trilogy, that's something you're always wanting, but right. Like one of the best wrestling uh, vignettes is with that. My way. I mean, like you can go back now and watch that and you will still kind of get the feels from that. You know, the WWF title scene from like 99 through till the invasion happened like was such it was chaotic but it was also such an interesting roller coaster story in the way that all of those characters weaved in together and out together you can start it you can start it from the montreal screw job and move forward that's that's where it started right there regardless of what happened with wcw being up and uh no it just made them better it, the 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 diamond was going to come out of the coal either way and that diamond was vince mcmahon not ted turner and eric bischoff unfortunately or fortunately however you want to look at it i don't really care but i'll take what we got now looking backwards so yeah, yeah i like it uh rance what was your number five Ooh. I think we should take a break first, you know, because we got to we got to pay bills, unfortunately. Oh yeah, I keep, we keep and, forgetting to take ad breaks. And we 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 got the boss with us right today, the guy who runs Chat Radio. Hey hey, the, the last to- two times we've put out a show, we've managed to put in two ad breaks. Oh, I'll be sli- I'll be sliding motherfuckers in there. <laughs> you want me to play a commercial? Yes, why you got to do that? Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're gonna take an ad break right now as. Uh, <laughs> The live studio artist, Mr. PC Tunney, uh, plays you that wonderful, wonderful uh, we'll, commercial. We'll be, we'll be back. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, sorry. ProRestTees.com slash chair shot. Yeah, when you yeah. come back, Kyle will tell you some nice stuff about getting some stuff on your skins I'm, and whatnot. I mean, 13 seconds. We'll be back. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thecheshire.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything progressing. Make sure you check it out, thecheshire.com. Thanks for helping us pay those bills, y'all. And while you're checking out thechairshot.com, go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and get you some of that sweet, sweet merch. Maybe spring a little bit of extra money for that soft style because it feels so good on your skins. Uh, top 10 storylines, WrestleMania era. Ray, hit me with your number five. This is where we talk about the story that got Kyle into wrestling. Taker versus Kane. Such Anybody got higher than five? Fucking story. Didn't make my list. Great story. I had it at seven. Like, just such a great fucking story. You know the best part about the entire story to me? Personally. We, everybody's talked about the story. No, we don't have to break, break it down. We know what happened. The best part about the story is that Taker didn't touch the motherfucker until WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. That is how you build a match. Real, and he really sold the whole conflicted brother thing. Mm-hmm. That is such a that's such a dope way to build a match that you have your you have you're already the supernatural multi-time world champion that the entire roster is scared of, and you got a brother that you tried to kill that came back to get you with your manager, who's bigger, stronger, faster, better than you, does your moves better than you, tougher than you. And you don't touch him for six, seven months? Dog. It's a well, beautiful story. Well, and it's worthy. It, the other reason it's worthy of an entry is, like, again, I I can't stand the motherfucker now because he's, like, a garbage person. But, like, Kane made a Hall of Fame career out of being a spinoff character. That's a good point, y'all. y'all, if y'all for y'all that don't know, Kane was supposed to be done. After WrestleMania, like, he was a literal spin-off character, just kind of like, oh yeah, why don't we throw in Undertaker's got a secret brother, and like gave the Undertaker as a character a whole new layer that he had not had, which is probably one of the only reasons that he was able to make the character last as long as he was able to make it last, because it breathed new life in at a time when the company was getting way more serious. Um, but also like Kane was a throwaway character and he turned that into a literal hall of fame career. Yeah, man. I think it's yeah. just, it, it's a, a testament to Glenn Jacobs brilliance actually, um, to, to, to be able to take the most subtle move in promo history, uh, from your dog and make it work. Yes, unfucking believably. So everybody listening, look straight into a mirror. If you're driving, don't do it while you're driving. And just tilt, tilt your head to the left or the right, like a dog would, when they don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. Kane made that work. 
Well, and the fact that he didn't speak, he didn't speak period for the first how many months. And then he used the modulated voice box and the whole like of the Kane and X-Pac story was getting Kane to feel comfortable using his real voice. All the it's, while, Xbox was fucking his girl the whole time. Just whole time. Stuff. It's the difference between a microwaved hot dog and a slow roasted brisket for 16 hours. Those are the storyline differences you get between some companies nowadays. And you can pick whatever you like. I enjoy a hot dog once in a while. But, you know, the majority of the time when I have the time and overarching, I would like to connect those we're talking or brisket. We're, out experiences. we're talking crock pot brisket. We're talking air fryer brisket. We're talking laid on the Smoker. grill brisket. Smoker. We're... Smoke brisket. Okay. I'm smoking just being that, a dick now. Smoking that bitch for 16 hours. Well, uh, then we get all no- right, Tony. Well, while you smoking the meat, tell me your number five. <laughs> I, we already did. It was my way with Austin and Rock. Oh, okay. 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 My number five is Goldberg's undefeated streak. Oh, I didn't even think to put that there. Yeah, and and like I'm not a I'm not a huge Goldberg stand, but I mean like WCW. This is one of their like WCW had a lot of failures, but when they hit a good one, like they hit home runs when they hit. Mm -hmm. Um, They were ultimate feast or famine type company, Um, and Goldberg's undefeated streak was a home run. Like this, they took this former football player with very limited experience, very limited move set, uh, but was cool as fuck looking. And they turned it into this whole mystique persona. And every week the number would change every fucking week. The number of matches would change. <laughs> he's, he's hasn't been pinned in 87 matches. He hasn't been pinned in 98 matches. <laughs> Well, you, you guys, missed the, cool with, you missed the 17 house shows last week. <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys cool with the way it ended? No. With the way what ended? His streak? streak yeah. With the with the electric stick? Well, just with Kevin beating him in general, the way he beat him, any of it. I was fine with because Kevin beating him. Paul but like, got him with the electric prod, didn't he, or whatever? Yeah, Scott hit him with the catapult. Yeah. Yeah. And. And to Goldberg's point, Goldberg said, it, "You need to really hit me with it, or else I I'm not gonna sell it because I can't so, fake it." Let me let me let me go ahead and jump on that point. Goldberg not faking it. Um, I remember vividly watching his first match. I believe it was Hugh Morris, right? Or was there someone yeah. before him? No, um, he he no sold the no laughing matter moonsault. And I watched it, and I was like, man, that guy's. Something, something's going to happen with that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just a teenager. I don't, I don't know fucking my elbow from my asshole from a hole in the ground. But I'm watching WCW and Raw. I'm flipping back and forth, right? And I'm like, that guy's going to do something. So I tried to make sure I watched him every week. And lo and behold, it kept going. And it was in, his intensity. Mm-hmm. Like, it looked like he was really beating the shit out of this guy. And lo and behold, years later, we find out he was really beating the shit out of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, himself. And himself, and like he was literally beating the shit out of not just the jobbers. Like he basically ended Bret Hart's career. Yeah, that that one's a tough one. Um, all the things we could have got in WCW. I thought they waited too long as well when he came back in there. But yes. anyway, 
Damn, that's something that didn't make my list either. Son of a bitch. You know, I like to Does think anybody... outside the box. Yeah. Well, anyway. Nice pick. Um, all right, number four, Rich. The end of an era. This is the Shawn Michaels Triple H Undertaker feud. Um, and I know the majority of it happened at the four. Triple H part in there too. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, I, I mean, because it's all it, it's it's all one can, canonical story. Um, I know it happened at it wasn't a year long thing, but it happened at four consecutive WrestleManias. Taker and Sean have the dream match. Sean takes Taker to his limit. Taker wins. The next year, Taker, Sean, and and Hunter are heavy in um, the X, and Sean can't handle the fact that Taker won't wrestle him again because Taker got nothing to prove. So he screws him out of the world title rematch. If I'm going to do it, you got to put your career up. Sean loses valiantly, loses his career. Next year, one of the best one of the best promos ever. Taker comes out. Before his music is before he's in the ring, Hunter's music is out. Points at the sign. Taker does the throat slash. Hunter does the chop. We out of here. Hunter beats Taker so bad, Taker can't walk out and get stretched out. But Taker beats Hunter by choking him out. Taker rolls out. Hunter walks out, which makes Taker come back and want to want to want to fight Hunter now. Whereas Undertaker is doing all of this while his hip is literally disintegrating. Yeah. He's he's held together by chicken wire and some chewing gum. And but the 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 beauty of that little story arc, where the second time we fought Sean, I don't got nothing to prove to you, son. The second time we fought Hunter, really the third time, I need to beat you. And Sean being in the match, the greatest false finish of all time, the super kick into the pedigree, and then. The match ending and the final hug. It Hunter Scorsese, bro. Hunter Scorsese. That that image we talked about different images up on the ramp, right? Like The Rock and Cena. Yeah. Um, it, that image of those three. That Together. end of an that was the, yeah. that end of an era, right? They that what they deemed that the end of an era kind of image was uh, that's forever in you know, kind of like we got one, we did get one. This last weekend, forever you will see the highlight of Logan Paul and Ricochet for every Royal Rumble lead up. I'm telling you, you don't you laugh, but that was significant enough to be in that moving yeah. forward. Oh, no, I, I don't disagree with you. I laugh because like it's the funny compar- how <laughs> well, no, I laugh just because it's funny how sometimes you don't realize in the moment, you know, some of the things and how other times you do like. I think we all knew the time that we saw Edge spear Jeff Hardy off of the title belts. Like, you knew the second that you saw it, like, oh, we'll be replaying that forever. And they caught it in the angle they did. You know, you could show it from the top down. That feud was on my honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, The the entirety of TLC. And, like, what a great story. All three teams forever connected but four of them turned into like very high level performer. Well, five really. Bubba is a really good performer if he stays in his lane. Bully Ray can be like a really fun, fun time. Agreed. Um, PC, what was your four? My number four is the Bloodline. Same. Holy shit. Okay, fine. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Fuck you, Ray. 
<laughs> you say that. Hey, it's gonna be some. It's gonna be some angry Samoans well, at y'all's door in the morning. That's fine because I'll give. I'll open the floor for Tony to be able to talk about one of the things that he had already mentioned because my number three is Yeselmania. Ooh, there you go. Okay, well, fine. I guess I won't talk about Yeselmania yet either. Okay. See what I was talking about with Ray here? Golly. I'm such a, I'm such a hater. I'm such a What fan. was your number three, Rance? Tyson and Austin. Okay. Okay. I mean that's part that's you're okay. Yeah, that's that's we're gonna that's that's kind of Yes. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna include yeah. that in 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 what I wanna sure, what I'm, sure, sure. I got I got because sure. that kind of kicks it all off. Oh, okay. Well then what, what? was your number three, Teddy? Uh, the Mega Powers. Okay. Storyline. Yeah, go ahead. Baby. Uh, that was my number. Oh, go ahead. Percent, my yeah, number... Like, I, uh, it's it's I've the reason it. I seven. don't have as much input because it it's the reason of... I it's the reason I wish Dave was here. Like he can he 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 can tell you everything about it. But like, think about it. You're best friends with someone and you team up and everybody knows the handshake, right? That's it. We talk about moments, right? We talk about things you there. Everybody know everybody's doing that right now. Listening, there's 27 people listening to Bandwagon Nerds. 127 people listen to this show, so that's even more. Flex on them. Oh, here goes the magic. Um, yeah, but yeah, and then you know they're splitting because of the, of of the woman and everything else, and then Hogan has always been the champ, and Macho gets the champ, and they explode, and it was just the two biggest stars in the world coming together. And then break it up. It was, you know, four and five, WrestleMania four and five, amazing, amazing time um, in wrestling history. We talk about storylines that have time to cook and simmer and, and collect all the good ajou that we were talking about before. Um, this was a lot of that. And it was done by two of the best ever with one of the best valets of all time. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, Macho and Elizabeth is iconic. Yeah. You know what I think was dope about the story, personally to me? Mm. So, if we go in the history of the WrestleManias, there had never been a person who stood who stood equal to Hogan. Respect to Andre, but Andre always Andre didn't want the title. Andre was always caught in his own lane until Hammond, until uh he and it got to him. The one person Hulk acknowledged that was his equal was Macho. And Macho had earned that. WrestleMania four won the title, held the title, Macho King, bing, bang, boom. But Hogan was always the main attraction. Every show. We even went, only reason Macho won the title was Hogan got disqualified, right? Um, so I think it's cool to see Hogan accepting this dude as his equal. And then Macho, by the way, Macho was right. Hogan was trying to steal his girl. We know this. Um, well, there's, there's, there's so much real life shit going on too, while this is happening, right? Beautiful, like, isn't it? I, you could, see, you I've could, only seen the replays cause all of this happened before I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Hogan was, Let's Hogan was talk, trying to take his girl on screen and off, bro. Like Hogan and Linda and Randy and Liz all hung out together and did a lot of fucking blow together. And yeah, well, of, we know Randy did something to make a Vince lot of, of him. A lot of shit, a lot of shit happened between them. Yep. So I just think that part is cool that that 
that's the first this is also the first time Hogan acknowledged somebody is equal to me. And then the next year is when the first, someone equal to him finally beat him. You know, warrior. So but yeah, that's that's just an important note to me. But yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I had my number seven, so it's definitely important. All right. Well, so that was your number three. Um, my number three, we couldn't talk about. So then, Rance, give us your number two. It is WrestleMania Daniel Bryan versus The Authority. Mm-hmm. Until recent things, this was the greatest story ever told. And shout out to the head honcho, the El Capitan, uh, Greg DeMarco. Me and him may be the only two motherfuckers still on this world who believe this shit was real. This was planned. This was scripted the entire time. Um, it, the uh, the uh, authority storyline was a work. Brian was always supposed to be champion at the end. Things may have changed during the moment situation, but Brian was getting ridiculous chance as early as what was the first time we really noticed it? WrestleMania twenty eight. 29? 28. 28 when he lost to Sheamus. Right? Like, they lost their mind. Shameful thing. I mean, you knew he was going to win the title when the yes chance went viral outside of wrestling. 100%. And the one thing that the one thing that we we know this as wrestling fans, but sometimes we don't think about it. A good, a a great babyface is only as good as his foil. And that's the reason why we have a lot of great baby faces who didn't go anywhere because they didn't have a great bad guy, right? And this the the little engine that could fight in the whole damn company is as great a story as it gets because it really preyed on just like Austin being the everyman who's revolting against his evil boss really resonated with America. The good kid who just wants to do his job and does his job well and deserves more than he's getting fighting the company that doesn't want him to get to the point he deserved to get to is such a great story because it resonated with people and it, it just got so over and the, the twists and turns and well, and it was one of the just, rare stories where the smarks and the were like the smarky iwc crowd and the casuals wanted the same thing on the same plane bro great story. because the smarks loved him because he was an indie darling mm-hmm. he was the greatest wrestler ever or in the world before he ever touched foot in WWE, according to a lot of people. Think about the additional tertiary things that are going on here. The evolution of Stephanie McMahon. We talk about her in one of a great storyline, uh, marrying Hunter, right? Now she is basically in charge of the WWE and is out there calling Daniel Bryan a B-plus player and pissing everybody the fuck off, doing her damn job on screen as a television character like kudos to stephanie mcmahon being there right you add in hunter you add in randy you add in dave you add in vince you add in all the people doing this fucking thing the most thing the most the most fucking things done since this fucking thing which they outlawed when i was in high school you couldn't walk around in the halls and do that to anybody anymore but when you saw a teacher you were like sorry kyle Oh, I mean, my job is way worse than that, man. Way worse. Can we talk about those yes chants for just a quick second? I went to WrestleMania 30. I was there. On Bourbon Street, the entire weekend, 
Stop making me jelly. I was laid up with my bum ass knee thinking about how I was supposed to be on Bourbon Street with my boy. Well, think about it the other way. I was supposed to be at all in with you. And then I I fell out. I wasn't able to make it. So, you know, flip flop. But literally everybody in the, the entire Bourbon Street, even the strippers, the bar owners, everybody was doing the yes chant. I had never seen nothing like that in my life. Like, it's one thing to do in being in an arena. I'm talking about people who don't even know what wrestling is. That last wrestler they ever saw was probably Hulk Hogan. Everybody is chanting yes. It, it's it, That's when I knew this 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 dude's a superstar. Oh, I mean, it, yeah, it was an amazing story. I, I loved it. I was there for the ride. Um, that was my number three. So tell me what you got at number two. My number two is the NWO. Uh, hmm. It's not necessarily the, but it's a start, but um, we'll get to it. So there you go. My number two is Austin versus McMahon. Okay. Uh, And we'll talk about that because that's Tony's number one. Um, So hold on before you go any further. Oh, is it what I'm, am I next? Before you go any further, clearly we all know what each other's number ones is. <coughs> yeah. I got the bloodline. Kyle got the NWO. Tony okay. got Austin McMahon. Right. I just want I just want to show you, list of these people, the diversity of these stories that we have, but the importance I... of how these stories created the landscape we're watching. The NWO created the landscape of a lot of what you see today. Austin well, McMahon created the landscape of the business model you're watching today and the bloodline is going to create the landscape because Roman Reigns is going to be world champion for 20 years. I have spoken. Well, oh, so geez. I'm okay, going to start with the NWO piggybacking off of it was your number two, Tony. So I'm going to start with the NWO. And the reason I put it at number one above Austin McMahon is because without the NWO storyline, I don't think... Like they fully embrace the attitude era on the WWF side to get an Austin McMahon. I think that like, I'm not saying they wouldn't have gotten edgier and I'm not saying that the product wouldn't have evolved, but I don't think you get Austin McMahon without what becomes the hottest shit in wrestling. And like people didn't know what the fuck was going on, and they were able to treat it as a real invasion when Hall and Nash showed up, and the huge mystery of who's the third, who's the third, and fucking Hogan turns heel out of left field, and nobody ever thought Hogan could be a heel, and he totally revitalizes his career, and, you know, he's coming out to fucking Jimi Hendrix songs and strumming the fucking guitar. Can I just can I just tell you why I, I it it is a such a valid argument, but and and I'm not saying you're right or wrong, right? I'm not saying you're wrong. Oh, yeah, I'm not, coming, I'm not going. I'm not know. going. No, fuck you. I'm going to tell you this, but I do want to say though, I think that more so than the success of what Eric and Scott and Kevin did, I think Kevin and Scott leaving. And just showing up already had Vince's gears turning. And I think Vince wins no matter what. So maybe to your point, we don't get the particular thing 
that we're going to maybe talk about, but I think we're going to get something either way. And, oh, and I don't, Austin I don't is going to do something either way. And Vince is going to get involved either way. So, well, yeah, so like, I don't necessarily think that Vince is going to lose to WCW. No, no. And I wasn't saying that either. But I think we, but I, I think just we draw, I think we connect those dots maybe differently, but at some point, but yeah. So like, Hall and Nash walking out on Vince with some real Oops. shit. Vince didn't have the money and Eric had Ted Turner's money. So he was able to promise them a whole fucking lot. And so like to do it when they did it in an era when like kayfabe still existed somewhat. Mm-hmm. And so you were able to have them be the outside invaders. And this is also before non-compete clauses. So like, People that left showed the fuck up right then. And so, like, WCW was able to milk the NWO storyline for years and years. They milked it for too long. It turned super stale. It went really fucking crazy. It led to things like the finger poke of doom and all that other stuff. But the original, just, like, who is the third member and, like, them running roughshod over the WCW and causing Sting to turn into the version that people identify him with, like, that was iconic. The thing that the NWO did the best, the thing, the most important thing the NWO did was it introduced a level of, uh, a level of um, sophistication, cool. sophistication to the character spectrum. If you guys have ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you know that the characters, the character spectrum is one of the major things, right? Lawful good, neutral good, whatever, so on and so forth, right? For the longest in wrestling, you were a white meat pure baby face who rallied against the bad guys. You were Kevin Von Erich or you were um, Ricky Morton or whatever. Or, or Hulk you were, Hogan. Or Hulk Hogan. And you were the dastardly bad guy like like the Heenan family or Roddy Piper or of the or the, the Freebirds or something like that, right? The NWO allowed for the bad guys to be the the protagonists. The NWO allowed for wrestling fans who during a time in the 90s were cha- America was changing outside of wrestling as just as a societally. The NWO allowed for wrestling fans to say we want different. Like yeah, okay, Rupert Man was cool in 1989, but now it's 1996, 97. I don't want to see Barry Darso in a mask no more. I want to see some reality. Yeah. You know? Grunge and, is the thing. Give me something gritty. Yeah, something I can relate to now. When I was five, that was cool. I'm 15 now. I need to relate to something different. And the NWO, and all respect where respect is due, Bret Hart, and his storyline with Vince at the same time. Just give him credit, concurrent. Uh, but the NWO started that, perfected that. Scott Hall said it all the time in the surveys. Survey said one more for the good guys. They they thought they were the faces. I want Tunney's perspective because Rance and I both were there. No, like Rance and I were both there for it, but you're you were more the target age bracket. Oh yeah. For the NWO um, when it was happening. Like what was the original date? Um, ninety six or seven, something like that. It was so, back yeah. to the beach ninety six, July nineteen ninety six. I'm in high school and into college. 
Yeah. As so like you're the prime age um, target there. It was great. It was amazing. It was the best time in wrestling ever. And the older I get, the more I heed the words of one Roger Staubach to Steve Young is how do you replace it? You don't. You run from it and appreciate what it was when it happened. Um, it was fucking awesome, guys. It was insane. Like, like they were selling. Hey, Royal Rumble happened with 50,000 people. That happened almost every fucking week with 30,000 people. Every fucking week for 83 fucking weeks plus. That happened. That was the TV show you were getting. And you didn't have a DVR. You didn't have a DVR either, right? And you didn't have dirt. You didn't have dirt sheets. You could get the Wrestling Observer. It was a fucking newsletter that we passed around at high school. I mean, that's what ha- that's what it was then. And, you know, they ruined the finishes of WWF. Um, so many things came from this. And it was just, this was the reason that Monday Night Wars happened is because Hall and Nash left and they got more money for people and, and guaranteed contracts. And, and non-compete I'll, clauses. And I'll just say it forever. It's too bad because it could have lasted forever. But the problem was is... WWE was a wrestling company making a TV show and WCW was a TV company making a wrestling show. Yep. That's what it became. It's it's pretty sad, but yeah, the NWO is legendary for so many reasons. Again, we said it earlier in the show, WCW struck out a lot, but man, when they hit, they knocked it the fuck out. Yep. Yep. Oh my God! When they were on, they were on. Mm. Whew. All right, Tony, hit us with your number a, one. You need a cigarette? Nope. Okay, that was a hell of a hoof. <laughs> hit us with your number one. My number one is Austin and McMahon, and basically, like, let's talk about the beginning of it. Mike Tyson, right? You ruined it, Austin. You ruined everything. You know, Austin wasn't supposed to get into it. And Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the fucking planet being there. This was the first time I, I'm in, I'm a 98, right? I'm a junior in high school. This is the first time all the buddies got together at somebody. There was like 15 and not all of us really hung out together, but there's 15 of us at one dude's house watching it. And his parents are fucking into it. Like his mom and dad are more into this shit than that. Well, I mean, not it's me and a couple of, not me and a couple other guys, but the other dozen guys that don't have know anything except for, you know, Austin three sixteen means I whoop your ass and, and, and suck it, you know? So, and then all the, all the other matches you got to see that night, what a great time, but Mike Tyson being involved. That's one of the biggest, that's like next to Ali, right? Like well, someone, that was at like Peak Tyson. Well, someone who's a celebrity like that and someone who's actually that legit, you know, you, you got to go back to like Ali's involvement in WrestleMania. And this is a really bad anecdote, but it's important to note. This happened right after Tyson came out of jail. Yeah. He was so like, legitimately the baddest man on the planet. He was feared by people, truly. Um, can I tell you why I I put Austin McMahon so low? Sure. I I picked the Tyson Austin saga because I'm speaking of 
Tyson Austin happening in what, like August or something like that, going to the Rumble and then Mania with uh, Sean, right? So it's nine months to it, somewhere like that, right? The reason I don't include Austin McMahon just in its own is because that's the greatest feud ever. But as a story, I don't, inc- I don't, I don't include it as I don't consider it a story. Because, and to me, my reason for me it's number one is because it's the whole story of Austin McMahon. That's an entire well, storyline in and of itself to me, and it revolutionized kind of what they try to do now. You said it before, right? Well, Vince is the greatest heel of all time, and Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest sports entertainer of all time. That's I would what argue, and they told the greatest story ever. When starting there and ending how it ended, I mean, he stole the fucking Royal Rumble from the guy. Well, I was going to say, I would argue it is a story because the story is all of the things that Vince was willing to do to try to stop Austin and all of the things that Austin was then willing to do just to fuck Vince over. That was in and of itself a story. Both men were willing to act against their own best interests just to fuck with the other person. And that was the entire and Ray, thing. And but Ray, me, I know you're getting upset because we won't let you finish your point, but I want to Yeah, pretty you, much. I can't explain I'm why I think I it's know, not a story. I know, but that's that's the best thing. It's coming. You're going to do it right now after I tell you, though, you're forgetting that Austin hit him in the head with a bedpan. Now, go ahead. No, it's, a, it's really entertaining. It's a great feud. But it's not a story to me. Because there is no, they did not feud against each other. They did not fight each other in matches that mattered. They have one match. That's it. So it's the feud. Vince used conduits to fight Austin. But doesn't, doesn't that mean more so that it's a story more than a No, because fight? we're, no, because the sport, ultimately, the stories have to end up being told in the ring. That's but the business was, we're they, in. They, they were. They just wouldn't always, they were in the, I mean, I mean, how many times did he fucking stun the guy? That was all in the ring. How many times did they have a match? Well, it felt like a million. Exactly. Which is why it's one of the greatest feuds ever. But in yeah. terms of a, to consider the storyline, to me, all of the all of the extra secondary and tertiary stuff is cool, but it also has to be told in the ring as well. And it was never told in the ring between the two. I wasn't aware of this caveat, Patrick. I, that's I, for me. That's the only reason why I said that's why I, I put it. Like, I fuck with I you. I can't. I'm sorry. I understand your argument. I disagree on the merit that I, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the matches via conduits are still matches from the story that was Austin versus McMahon. Austin, like McMahon creating the corporation, McMahon doing corporate rock, McMahon doing the thing with the rumble, all of those things to me, even though he's using proxies with which to do it, it's still Austin versus McMahon. This is still all in the grand scheme of things about the story between these two people and their personal animosity with one another. Maybe so, and I I, I feel where you're coming from, but all of those feuds also became their own. Austin versus Rock may have started because Rock was a member of the corporation, but it became its own thing. Austin versus Hunter may have started because of Vince, but it became its own thing. Even Austin versus Dude Love started, but it became its own thing because they were tag team partners before. 
every feud Austin had within the guise of Austin McMahon had its own beef outside of the fact it, it's different than Hogan versus Heenan. Because there's no reason King Kong Bundy got a problem with, with, with Hogan other than the fact Heenan said you way had a problem different. with them. It's way different because Hogan... But Taker is- got a problem with Austin because they got problems. Rock got a problem with Austin because they got problems. It's not just because Fitz said I have a problem with them. I don't like the merit of storylines you're comparing this to. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, different different yeah, strokes, folks. 99% of people will agree with y'all. So I'm not saying y'all are wrong. Y'all are probably right. I'm just saying why I put it so low. Well, you get to keep talking, though, because it's your turn to tell us why you think the bloodline is the greatest story ever told. Respectfully, I ain't got to say shit. Just watch. The only reason I had it lower than number one is because I, I don't know the conclusion yet. This yes! could end like Game Me of too. Thrones. Yes. This could end like Game of Thrones, where I've devoted what? all yeah. of these years of my life to watching this show that at one time was Did you watch television, uh, House of the Dragon? And then it ends so poorly that I'm just like, why did I waste did all you, this time? Did you watch House of the Dragon? No, because I'm still sour oh, over oh, Game of Thrones. God. Come on, watch, watch it, watch it. I, and if and if if I'm wrong, wh- whatever. I'm not gonna be wrong. Watch it. You will love it, and you'll come back and you'll go. Thank you for telling me to watch it. I'm serious. Watch is, it. I, is I know you're serious. Is the wrestling equivalency of the bloodline story equivalency of Brand becoming the king? Is that Jimmy Uso becoming world champ for beating destroying I, Roman Reigns? No, Jimmy Uso I, becoming the champ would be whatever it's just how the storyline actually ends ends is what i'm like well i think i I don't think this ends at wrestlemania i think we still have more the the story doesn't end that's why i'm saying i'm not willing to say it is the greatest yet because i don't know is this gonna fizzle out is this gonna take a wrong turn i won't drop it I don't think I could drop it how they finish it. Yeah, it only it. goes higher. Yeah. But I, it only goes higher, and it I think it can it easily can pass Mega Powers to me. Could it pass what? NWO and Austin McMahon? I don't know, because to me, that's all Attitude Era, Monday Night Wars, which is the greatest story of all time. As, but as of right now, and yes, the story is not done by a long shot. The story, I think, ends when Jay takes out Roman. And you want to know what? Ray, to just to add to that other conversation, because it was a really good argument back and forth about the Austin McMahon thing. But you know what? That's the one that won. Yeah, twenty-five years ago, right now. No, no, no. Right, but but in the biggest grand scheme of things, WCW versus WWE, WWE won because of Austin and McMahon. Period. Well, that's not the whole truth. That's another conversation. Um. But that's really, that's really not, no, that's another conversation. Without it, I mean. No, I completely, I disagree with that, but that's another conversation. uh, Um, I'll, I'll, yeah. Think about, think about the bloodline that I think the reason why it's number one now, even though it's not finished, because like we mentioned earlier, it's been going three full years and there has never been, I dare someone to find it, the level of intricacy and every single, and I'm not talking um, added intricacies or intricacies added after the fact like BTE and the Bucks do. I'm talking about in the story that we've had involving this many people who are major parts 
every other story that I'm talking about involved one, two, or three people. This has involved seven or eight. And all of them have been involved from the beginning. And Jay's, the intricacy. Jay's Which One Are You promo is like some of the all-time greatest shit I have ever fucking seen. Yeah, man. Like, which one are you? Like, yeah. ooh, but they're gonna fucking know. Like, oh my god. You know what I think nobody's talking about? Because it happened right before the Rumble? It was the trial of Sammy Uso. That oh, was fucking that's why, but that's why the Rumble ending right. hits the way it hits. And now we and know why, why they let that go on so long. Like, that's why Jay had to leave the ring for it to hit the way that it was going to hit. Because in the trial of Sami Zayn, he was the one who defended Sami when Sami wouldn't defend himself, even after he had been the one who didn't trust Sami for the fucking longest. Yep. And also... He convinced him to trust him. And then Sami said he was sorry to him after he hit Roman. That's the dopest thing about it. When he hit Roman, and he didn't hit him hard enough, Roman wasn't hurt. But he could have he could have dicked out the ring and ran. But he knew he was gonna get his ass beat. And he looked at Jay and said, Look, man, I'm sorry. Because he really he really really made a real connection with that dude. And Jay's thinking, not only is he thinking, I stood up for you, but he's thinking, I think he's thinking, Sammy did the had the balls do something I never had the balls to do. He stood up to Roman. I've been eating shit from this dude for two and a half years. So, yeah, man, it's still to this moment. It's like, to me, it's like saying Game of Thrones is one of the greatest shows ever three seasons in or Breaking Bad or Walking Dead or something like, you know, it's only going to get better, but it's so good already. You can put it in the in, in the list. So but nobody can be wrong because all three of these are great stories. Yeah, completely. Uh, that was fun. Oh yeah, that was the whole damn show. Tony, you got to come on more often. I do what I can. Yeah, Uh, fit us in when you fit us in between all seventeen of your podcasts. You do a week. I got a lot of Twitter comments to keep up with. It won't be that hard because I mean, you know, realistically, Rance and I only record (laughs) once a month. No, no, no. Listen, listen. I said, I said before we pre-show, we were talking, and I said we have a conversation to have a different night because we got shit to do today. So we got that conversation to have for another night. (laughs) So, well, in the meantime, in between time. Tony, tell the good people where else they can find you on the networks. I, who cares about me? Just listen to Chairshot Radio Network. You can find great podcasts there. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot and the Chairshot.com. You can find Ray Cash there. Yes, you can. You can also find him on Twitter at It's Ray Cash. Well, and at PC Tony since the motherfucker didn't want to say his damn Twitter. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. My name is Pizza Funny. You can find me on twitter at dr Schmores. you can find the show on twitter at outsiders edge cs we are part of the chair shot radio network at chair shot media where you always uh use your head and remember Either one. Y'all, yeah and remember y'all we here at the outsiders edge are just some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything that we can to try to make it out here in this world and sometimes that means we're gonna hit you with some Real facts like, man, 
Sammy and Jay been done wrong. And, Have they though? And other times, we're going to hit you with them tough facts like, man, the NWO really just changed the game. Indeed. It's funny. It's funny you say increasingly less young men as I look around this Skype call and go, man, look at the foreheads on these guys. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, but as you're, always, you're still the best, but you're getting there. <laughs> as always, uh, I'm the worst. <laughs> we're just out here doing our best, and you got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, we don't give a fuck. He called me bald. <laughs> oh, I, I said I was worse. Beautiful head of hair. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.